Well, everyone, welcome back. It has been far too long, but we have returned with the Rubble Over the Thunder podcast here from the X downtown Kakana. And it's the whole gang back together. Dan, Dan, the podcast man, how are you? I'm doing quite all right. Yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Good to hear. Andy Monday, how are you? Excellent. It's great long, to have Long off season. Great to be back here. Episode 48. Yep. Brad Keith, former Mid-American Stock Car Series champion. I was thinking about this earlier today. That was all I could think of. I uh, nothing local. Yeah. Matt Here's Urban the- at the Dells? Slinger? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a very common number, so... There's probably some sport truck people that are not happy right now because I'm sure there are some 48s in that. Right. Oh, you would think even with the success of the NASCAR 48, maybe there'd be some copies. Maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he everybody shied away. Po- he wasn't a very popular guy. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so it's it's been a hot minute, as the kids like to say, uh, since we last checked in with you. Maxwell Schultz wins his first super late model track championship and Andy you were in the thick of it this year I'd say one of the better championship races that we've had in a while him and Grant Griesbach right down to the stretch in just a few points I think it was three at the end of the year that ended up separating him yeah uh, Maxwell had a really strong year he um, I think he had seven or eight fast times and maybe a lot of those right in a row and kind of jumped out to that lead and then uh, Grant started reeling him in towards the end of the year and JVO was in that mix too, so it was pretty exciting coming right down the wire. Yeah, I thought what really stuck out to me was that second of last week, and unfortunately I was uh, ill that week, so I didn't make it, but Grant Griesbach made a huge push. He set fast time and won the feature. It really put a lot of pressure on Max, and having been in that situation yourself in 2017, you know, needing to have that final night go perfectly, what's that like? inside the cockpit or inside the pit or in preparation for a week to, to try to hang on to a title? Honestly, the best place to be is behind the wheel because all the pressure and anxiety and everything else comes in when you're not behind the wheel. It's the time waiting in between the week, the extra effort you're putting in at the shop, making sure you don't have a mechanical failure or other things that are going to take you out. Um, and then once you're at the track and you kind of have what you have, you know, the cards are dealt, you know, once you get the car out there and run some laps and practice and time in, you kind of have a general feel of where you're at and where you stack up with the crowd for that night. And I'm sure that last night, Max was just hoping that he didn't get caught up in someone else's wreck or, or uh, have have an issue happen, you know. I mean, all it takes is a flat tire or anything to happen, and uh, you're right out of the mix. And it came down, was it three points in the end or two? Three points, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, we've even seen it. I mean, think back to... Uh, Brett Piantek with Lowell Bennett, and it came down to a pick a lane restart. One went high and one went low, and that lane went on a restart, and Lowell won the championship that year over Brett. So those things can can happen just like that, and that's probably the most nerve-wracking part about it. Yeah, it's really amazing that a whole summer can come down to the last couple of laps or the last feature or what have you, and that wasn't just the case in the super late models either. Your brother was in the same kind of mix, and unfortunately for him, but fortunately for Nate Van Wyken and Eric Hopfensberger, uh, that was a two-point championship for Van Wyken this year. Yeah, and they, they had the best car all, all year long. I mean, Nate, Nate, I think, won four features this year. Um, they did run into some problems where they got in a wreck and had to fix the car and, and regroup, and Brian was trying to track him down, did everything he could, and that came down to the last race, the last night. Nate, Nate finished third, and Brian was fifth, if I remember right, um, and that made up the difference because heading into the feature, I believe they were tied. 
And I know that the car counts weren't exactly where anybody would have wanted them this year in the late model class, but I felt like that was maybe one of the more fun late model seasons that we've seen in the past couple of years just because of that, just watching Nate and Brian go back and forth. And one week it looked like Brian had kind of got the leg up, but then Nate would come back the next week. And you just it, it truly was one of those seesaw battles where you just felt like whoever – I like like the football. Like whoever has the last, the ball last is gonna win. I kind of felt like whoever just was down the night before was whoever's turn it was that next week, and I, I would say just ran out of weeks for Brian, really. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, the car count was about half of what we had in the super lates, um, but that's what made that point battle so challenging. Is if you had an off night, you were still coming in fifth or sixth place, and it made it really hard for the other guy to gain any ground. Um, so most weeks between Brian and Nate, I mean, they were trading three points back and forth here and there. There wasn't these nights where you'll see in other classes a guy has a DNF and it's a 30-point swing. I mean, we were talking a handful of points at most being exchanged each night and then just really being able to race it out on the final night and whoever finished ahead of whoever uh, ended up coming out on top. Yeah, so Brian still, still oh so close, but he's getting there. He's like the, the Buffalo Bills of yeah. the late model class with uh, three straight. No, it's it's on his mind. He'll be back this year. He's chasing it. Um, he did a little uh, RC racing this uh, this fall, and I gave him crap and kind of said, well, you're going to finish second in points in that too. Ha, ha, ha. No. He, little brotherly love exchange there. Yeah. But, uh, no, we're going we're gonna to continue to work hard, and uh, he's putting his best foot forward to uh, see if he can capitalize this year. So the third of our late model classes is on the quarter mile, the WIR quarter mile late models. And this year, uh, Mike Reichenberger comes out on top. It's, you know, a very interesting mix of drivers in that class. You have the people sort of moving into the late model world, and then you have your, you know, guys that have been around the block a couple of times, like Mike Reichenberger, like Tom Sparowski, Rick Spoo, who have come back and really given some nice life to that class. And, um that's another class where you know i don't really watch the points but i really love to just see who's in the mix who's winning features it's it's a very it's unique because it's two features a night so you can potentially make up that ground but sometimes it's hard to do in that class too because there's just such an interesting mix of how many different people can win every week and it seems like <coughs> excuse me it seems like consistency prevails in that class too um, where maybe the car that has fast time and wins one of the features doesn't always get to the top five in the other feature and at the end of the night when you start tallying up points sometimes it's the guy who ended up like a Wayne Pacelt, you know third and fourth that pulls in the most that night and you know congrats on Mike Reichenberger and the Birkin team they won that championship this year and I was thinking father-son combos for championship mm-hmm. Brandon and Mike, well, how many other ones do we have in FRCs? You know, obviously there's Brazen and Lowell. Right, it's and not in the same class. Right. And what's odd about that, too, is usually it'll be the father that wins first and then the son, <laughs> right? Flip the script there. The son won it, and now the father wins it. Yeah, and we'll see if Mike's coming back again this year. Um, that class continues to grow and puts on a great show for the fans. And um, I know Dylan Wenzel has a strong competitor all year. Obviously, we help him on our team, and... Um, this was his rookie season. He had some growing pains with some different things. Definitely had a fast car, picking up as many fast times and feature wins as he did, and uh, he'll be gunning for it this year. Yeah, and it's uh, 
Dylan put on a really uh, a fun display at <laughs> Golden Sands, if you will, for the uh, for the last race, I guess, of the season for the quarter mile late models. They joined us with the Tundra series on Labor Day, and Dylan went off in turn one and up into the sand and came back and won that race. That was the first feature, and then they radio up to the tower. They say, "Well, the three is scratched for the second feature." And I, I well, how? <laughs> you know, he just won the first one, and he, you know, he told me, "Yeah, you know, broken shock mounts and all this." And it's like, how did you pull that off in the first race? Then that was that was pure determination. I mean, how many times have you seen someone wreck, get out of their car, help the tow truck hook it up on the car? I mean, it came to the pits, and we threw some duct tape on it and looked it over quick and sent them back out, just figuring he was gonna ride around and he uh he drove forward won the race well then once we got through tech and back to the pits when we actually got a good look at it on four jack stands there was so much bent and cracked and wrecked stuff you know it was not really be safe to go back out on the track and not really fair to the other competitors to potentially have a mechanical issue cost someone else you know some damage and stuff to their race car so unfortunately I had to scratch but yeah that was uh that was very interesting when uh i'm like when has anybody ever been completely out of their car and gotten back into their car and then finished the race, not just finished the race, but to be able to come back and win the race? Yeah, passed everyone on the outside and came back and won that one. And then um, kind of a neat day, too, Alex Hartwig, uh, a name some of you fans might want to start thinking about listening for. He's a, he's a young kid from Portage, won a lot in the Bandoleros, not a quarter-mile eight model but one of the Dell 602 style eight models that came and competed and he ended up winning the second feature. And, um, you know, I was, I was talking to Pete a little bit, the WR quarter mile eight models this season. We can get into that in a little bit. Uh, they're going to do some traveling again. And they kind of wanted to reach out and let some other people know that when they go on the road, you know, they have some specific rules that they're going to hone in for WIR, but when they go on the road, uh, that they might like to see some of those cars join them a little bit more. Yeah. And it did sound like Alex was going to do the, uh, the 602 class kind of has a traveling series set up with Slinger and the Dells and was the Madison. other track? Yep. Madison, okay. Yep. Um, sounds like that Alex is going to follow that and then try to pick up a few shows at Kakana and, like you said, just work with whatever rules, differences, whatever you got to do to make everybody come together. But, I mean, for, for as young as that guy is and the number of laps he has, very, very talented driver, very fast right out of the box. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, someone to be listening out for. Uh, continuing on with the uh, the quarter mile classes, uh, we're not going to get too heavily into this one because we're going to have this person on us here with the podcast today, and uh, you may want to watch out too because it sounds like we may end up splitting this into a couple of different podcasts just so we can give everybody some time and not keep you on the line here for a three hour podcast. Which, whatever, if we do it, we do it. Three hours, it's good times. We're back together, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Mitch Meyerhofer and. Uh, his teammate, Josh Miller, ended up winning the championship this year. And what is unique about that, obviously, the team driving. But Mitch was a rookie this year in the Super Stocks. You don't see that a lot. No, you don't. And um, one of the questions I'll have for Josh when he uh, pops in is how much change and over they had to do that car if their driving styles are pretty similar. Um, because if you look at the stats throughout the year, I think their worst finish the whole year was like sixth. It was very consistent no matter who was driving the car, and that's ultimately will help them prevail to win that championship. And kind of a similar story to what we talked about in the late models, you know, the, the car count not always being where it should be, but 
to that point, there were some pretty big nights there. The Stand the Man race brought in a lot of extra super stocks. Uh, put on by, by Marty Nussbaum, got some extra money in there, brought in some extra attention. That guy right there? That guy right there. He's here. Him. He's got a bush light in his hand. He is here tonight. Um, <laughs> and his lovely bride's here, too. Right, Hi, too. Jen. But t- to that point, you know, that was Meyer, Hoffer, slash Miller, and Trevor Howard that were kind of exchanging things off throughout the season as well. And it, that was another deal where it kind of felt like whoever had the ball last was going to win. And a little bit of heartbreak for Trevor. He's been close several times, similar to my brother, and uh, I know he's really putting his best foot forward coming into this year. His car is pretty much done and lettered for what you see on social media, so they've been hard at it, and I would expect Trevor to be a top contender this year. I think so, too. I I completely agree. Um, There's another father-son if he could win that championship. Right. Could have Ed and Trevor Howard. Ed and Trevor. There you go. Wouldn't it be something if it came down last night and they were the top two in points <laughs> battling for that championship? Um, Bobby Watts here. Now, this is a completely different story than anything else we've talked about so far because that was a dominating season on Wisconsin Sport Trucks for Bobby Watts here. You, you take a look at the points and you see a 53-point spread, which doesn't necessarily seem like a lot, but it is. And that 89 truck was dialed in all season. And you got to feel good for a guy like Bobby who's – been close, been fast, and just never really seemed to put things together, but finally it all comes together for him. Yeah, again, really consistent year, solid equipment, fast every time he came out. I mean, I don't know, he probably had more than 50% of the fast times if I were to look at the numbers, but just always there, and a cool story to boot, you know, and how he got into the trucks and followed racing coming up, and um, be fun to watch to see where his career progresses from this point if he stays in the trucks or tries to venture out. Yeah, I've been uh, chatting with him a little bit at the end of last year, and he's apparently looking late models, so we'll see uh, see what happens there. We see him on iRacing once in a while. His name pops in there. He's, he does pretty good on there. So. There you go. Start, uh, start getting a feel for there it. There you, you go. Know? Uh, and he, of course, uh, wins the championship over Cody Vanderloop, who's going to be one of our guests here as well. Uh, I haven't seen it. Is Cody here yet, Dan? He was up north. He's on his yeah, way I don't back. See him. He's on his way back. Maybe okay. this is why it's going to be a three-hour podcast. Perfect. Yeah. Waiting might, for guests to like, trickle in. Yeah, no kidding. That's okay. <laughs> Let's blame the planning. guests, even though we yeah. started a half hour late. <laughs> Let's blame them. And what will be neat about Cody is you'll see him a little bit, too. You know, we talked about Bobby maybe making his ventures out, but Cody, of course, uh, with that Midwest Truck Series truck that belonged to Levon Vandergeese. It was the championship-winning truck, and Cody ran it a couple times last year, but... You know, it sounds like he'll be filtering in a bit more this year. Yeah, and as, as they uh, continue to do more in re- more in racing, um, you know, obviously there's a big difference between a Wisconsin sport truck and a Midwest truck. But um, at the end of the day, it is racing, and the more laps you get and the more comfortable you get in anything, the better you're going to be. And Cody was able to, you know, I seen him at the Dells. He was at Madison. He was able to travel with that series and get different exposure at different tracks, and that's definitely going to help him. Yeah, and I'm glad you said there's a big difference because we should point out, for those of you that may not be familiar, and most of you are, it's not like going from a late model to a super late model. <laughs> this is a Wisconsin sport truck with a snowmobile engine, quarter size of a real truck, and then a Midwest truck, series truck, 10-inch tire, 604, great, heavy think? truck. 
Yeah. Do you think you can put a uh, it's like put one it, of those sport trucks sideways on the bed of a uh, Midwest Truck Series truck and have room still on either end of it? Might it's funny that to. Matt said it's about a quarter, and I'm thinking about that. It's like, yeah, it's like a quarter of the horsepower, and it is like yeah. a quarter of the weight. So it literally is a quarter of a full-size Midwest truck. It, it's kind yeah, of like go. if... Uh, a Wisconsin sport truck ate a mushroom from Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> it comes a Midwest truck. I usually go for the flowers so I can throw the fireballs. Right. Well, you don't want to do that. You, <laughs> you don't want to do that. You don't want fire, reason. right? Um, then, of course, into our uh, Sizzling Four class. Another team. Interesting team. Beatty Beatty. Evan and Ethan. Winning the championship. Over Ricky Coffert, who is close this season. And Ricky... I thought this year, you know, if you were if you were going to take all of the drivers in total at WIR and look for someone who made the biggest improvement all year, I would hand that to Ricky Coffer. Hands down. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I know that car that he was in is pretty quick. The, the year before, I think the last night, Mickey Shelley jumped in it and had quick time in it, and they'd been working their butt off. And to see how consistent Ricky was this year uh, was impressive. Uh, the Beatties came out on top. Their their experience and uh, their cars are always fast. And similar to the quarter mile late model class, maybe not the fastest car brings home the trophy. Where uh, Scott Wolf again came out of the box really dominant and uh, unfortunately wasn't able to to bring home the trophy. But uh, it was fun to see Scott the final night hop onto the half mile and uh, get out there and play and and make that transition from four cylinder to see what the half mile was all about. So. Even though Scott wasn't able to, to join that group the last few nights, he was still at the track and still having fun. Yeah, obviously going for the second straight championship in that class and uh, not able to do so. Uh, but, Dan, you know you you know Scott. You know yeah. Scoots. Like, what, what's going on with him for 2022? Does he have the plans got to be or? tight-lipped about that one. Does Sorry. He? he has plans. He has plans. Okay. That's, that's all the more I can say. He has plans. Does he have plans for a quarter mile or for a half mile? <laughs> I cannot claim what he has plans for. Is he for still affiliated with Chase Motorsports? I mean, I would like to think so, but again, hmm. I don't know. I haven't seen Is him that Scott much. Wolf going to drive the 47? Been, you know, I've been a little bit busy this offseason, Andy. <laughs> wow. Nice deflection, Dan. <laughs> you know, know, shut up. That's what happens. <laughs> I've done seven races since the beginning of this of this year. so They haven't named a driver yet, have they, the 47? No, they haven't. I've heard some rumblings, but I haven't heard anything official yet. I didn't see an official announcement. Okay. Well, I, I, like know, I think they're, they're waiting. You know what I would like to propose? Because they had Terry Baldry, probably one of the most successful men in WIR history, Circle of Famer, why not the man with the most WIR championships now in history? I think it was, what, 22? Terry yeah. Van Roy. Terry Van Roy. He's a, he used to race super late. I watched Terry Van Roy run a, uh, uh, my mom, what was that called back in the day? A Mars series race mm. at 141 when it was asphalt. I remember and that. he finished in the top three. I remember so that. So Terry Van Roy can do it. The Coors Light looking car. He had the, yeah, kind of exactly. the Sterling, I think it was Sterling Marlin was driving that car at the time. Yes. Yeah, he had that car. <laughs> um, what more can you say about Terry Van Roy? Like, unbelievable that. And what did he say? Now he has a championship in the 80s, 90s. 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s. Wow. It's insane. Yeah. You know, that was an easy choice for Circle of Fame. Uh, he went in, I believe, on the Blu-rays last year into our Circle of Fame. And um, 
with just the number of championships in both the street stock class, now formerly known street stock class, super stock class, and the figure eights, and all the red, white, and blue championships to boot. Um, great guy, and he kind of hinted towards retirement at the banquet a little bit, but I don't know if that was serious or not. You know, he was Terry's kinda, not only just racing Kakana, he's still racing on the dirt in the Grand National Classic. Yeah, he, he was kind of hinting at that too when I interviewed him that, that final night, and I, I feel like that's kind of like the Rich Bickle retirement. Like, yeah, but but for real though? You know, like, <laughs> could it really happen? I don't know. I mean, that one's another story for another time and yeah. another podcast. Yeah. The whole, we'll yeah. have to find the Terry whole, and see yeah. because that isn't going to be on social media. He still has a flip phone, so I, I don't see a post coming from Terry. Someone might have to do uh, it We for might him. have to yeah, actually might have run to into Terry him. at uh, Hank and Karen's and find out. So that was the 2021 season in a nutshell, I guess. You know, since we didn't really do much throughout the season, if why don't we just go around the table here and talk about our favorite memory from 2021 if if, if we can dial one up Andy I'm Why sure you're looking at I'm, me? I'm sure yours are very very different than ours but <laughs> <laughs> I mean mine isn't related to WIR at all so why not why not because I have been to so many racetracks I know in the you last have. year I have to say doing a three-day swing between WIR on Thursday Madison on Friday and then flying out to Virginia on Saturday. That was probably my favorite memories. He actually Three had to adult days. finally. I had to adult finally. This is what we actually do as adults, Dan. Yeah. It sucks, don't it? Oh, it does. <laughs> do it while you can, my friend. I know. Andy, what do you got? 2021. Obviously, the easy one that Dan was chuckling about is when the rubber didn't stay all four tires on the ground. Um, but no, I. I think just, man, when I think back to that whole situation, I don't even really think about the incident and what happened, but more so just the effort put in by my group and how proud I am to be able to get that car back when we thought we were done for the year um, to turn it around and work with the guys at Pathfinder and uh, combine all the teams with my brother's team and Dylan Wenzel's team and everybody kind of got it together and we were back the next week at the white race and not just there but uh leading laps in that race and i think finished sixth or seventh but um that was probably one of the things i'll be really proud of for a long time is just the effort and ambition to um be able to put that car back together and get it back on the track competitively yeah and i remember that night my dad and i came over and we 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 do what we like to do you know him being a tech guy me being a guy that's been on the technical side before and uh, being some of that was part of selling race car bodies just to, to come over and, and take a look at kind of post-mortem if you will at that car and, and see exactly a how it held up and you know b what was fixable I, I, i'm sure it it's one of those things where we come over there and we're looking and we're like well hey you know it looks like the cage held up pretty good not too much is bent but once you start taking that car apart, that's when you got to start really digging in deep and finding things. And I'm sure whatever we looked at that night was just the tip of the iceberg of everything that went into getting that thing back on track. Yeah, and your dad spotted it right away when he came over that the uh, the top part of the halo on the cage was bent down. And obviously, anytime you roll at that speed on that track and slide on it, you know, not only did it impact it and push it down, but just the grinding metal on metal on the racetrack for 
50, 60 yards just grinding it right flat. You know, your dad spotted that right away, and from a safety standpoint, that top part of the roll cage just need to get cut out and get replaced. So as soon as we kind of knew that, it it put put some things in perspective on how in detail, how in-depth this is going to need to be, and it's going to need to be a complete teardown. Um, got started on it right away that night, and next thing you know, the whole team is over there because they all want to pitch in and help out, and the thing was completely stripped down and in the trailer at 4 a.m., and I was on my way to Pathfinder at 7 a.m. on two and a half hours of sleep or whatever and just trying to uh, see what we could do. And in the middle of all that, right, wrong, or indifferent, we also had a race with Apex Motorsports at the Slinger Nationals. So I was going to say, that was a very busy time. It was a very busy week, and some people threw that in our faces here. Oh, you didn't need extra time to practice on that Thursday. You were down screwing around at Slinger on Tuesday. You could have been with your car at... Like, really, people? Yeah, come on. You just don't get it. But, um, no, don't want to dwell on that too much. I mean, it's uh, I'm just proud of my team and, and uh, very thankful for all the safety equipment that goes into these cars, um, you know, to be able to sustain that and kind of walk away without a scratch, literally, um, and uh, be able to be back and finish the year out. Because after it happened, I figured we were done for sure for a while. Yeah, and... To, to, to that point, you know, 10, 15 years ago, this wasn't like any kind of a sentence of you're going to miss two, three weeks if you roll a car. Someone's going to fix it. It's going to hold up. But the way that they build cars now, they build them to do what yours did, which it, it sounds bad, but when they bend, when they start to fold up a little bit, that's, that's part of the design is because they want them to absorb the impact so the driver doesn't absorb the impact so when you wreck a car now versus probably even a little bit farther back more like 20 years where the cars were a bit stiffer you know you'd go knock the fence down and then you'd look at the car and say damn all i got to do is just fix all the bolt-on <laughs> stuff you know this thing held up where now when you knock down the fence you, you tear the car apart but it's supposed to do that so you don't have the driver impact inside the cockpit it's supposed to do that, and at the same time, as technology gets better and things get so competitive, everybody's trying to build the latest, greatest, lightweight, next lightweight car for speed, but you still have to put a premium on that safety stuff because things like that can happen. And, um, you know, very thankful for the WIR safety crew. They were there right away, Johnny on the spot. And, uh, you know, one of the things I remember other racers telling me Whenever you roll on your roof, your first instinct is going to be unbuckle and try to get out of there because you don't know, um, you know, fuel leaking or any of those other scenarios. But the second you do that, you're going to fall and land on your head, and right. you're going to hurt your neck. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to you're going to get through the whole crash, and then you're going to hurt your neck trying to get out of the car because you're not going to be able to support your own body weight. Um, so once the safety crew got there, checked on me, I was good. Kind of looked over at the window opening to crawl out, and it was all of like four inches big it reminded me of like those half basement windows oh or like boy. you know you, oh. like a little crawl space that you, maybe you could get out um but there was there was no way so uh they're like yeah if, if you can be patient and calm with us uh we'll uh we'll roll you on your side and then you can climb out but it's gonna be like five or ten minutes so just being trying to not overreact and hang there upside down with all the blood rushing to your head while you're still belted right in for that long oh man uh and the worst part for me, honestly, is uh, I could hear my dad trying to talk to me on the radio. My dad's my spotter, and I couldn't respond because the radio 
went flying out of the radio box and was laying up in the right front corner of the dash, so it wasn't connected anymore. Okay. So I could hear him talk, and I could hear the anxiety in my dad's voice, but I couldn't respond to let him know I was fine, and obviously he had found out through other channels. But, um, yeah, 23 years of racing, including all the sport truck racing I did, and those things flip over all the time. Yeah, that right? was my first time on my lid, and uh, it was definitely an experience, I'll say that. Well, there you go. You got it out of the way, and you don't ever have to do it again, right? Knock on wood, yep. All right, so my favorite memory of this season uh, was a night. That was a night for the old guys. Uh, it had been a while since Lil Bennett had won a feature event, and he just had himself one of those classic Lil Bennett nights where he was strong, the car was fast, he got away, and he ended up winning. And on that particular night, a guy that's very a very close friend of Lowell's as well, who you know we'll get into this in, in just a moment. Very sadly, has passed away since uh, Jerry Schneider won his first WIR quarter mile late model race as well, and uh, Jerry was so excited about it. You know, he he was so great about giving me all of the information on on the people that were going into the Circle of Fame each week, and uh, we would be emailing back and forth, and you know he's like, oh man. You know, Lowell and I won, and it was on the same night, and we're thinking, you know, could you have two older feature winners in a night? And I, <laughs> I was thinking to myself, you know, man, no, probably not. Like, I mean, this was this was something cool to see because, you know, we love to sit here and talk about the young race car driver, this up-and-coming star, and this guy's doing this, and he's going place. What about the guys that have been there forever? And those were two guys that have been there forever and it had been a while since they won, and you get to see Lowell Bennett win, you get to see Jerry Schneider win, you get to you get to see a night for the old guys. And I, at the time, it it probably wasn't so meaningful for me. It, it was it was another night. It, it was something that was neat to see, but looking back on it now, it's something I don't think I'm ever going to forget. For sure, <laughs> you know they say everything kind of comes through, comes together and happens for a reason like that, and you don't understand maybe why at the time, and now, like you said, looking back on it, that's a pretty special memory for both of those families. Um, after that, they went up and raced together. Jerry brought his quarter-mile late-model car up to Norway. You know, they were able to do some racing together. I'd, you know, that was really cool to see on that night. Uh, Lowell get that win. Do you think it's, what, it's like three years? Three-year drought for Lowell? I thought he told me 2018. Okay, yeah. so that sounds about right. Yep. Um, and then Jerry, yeah, that, that must have been his first quarter-mile win, and he probably had not won a feature until maybe when he was on the half-mile in the 90s? Maybe in the vintage car? Vintage car, yeah, Milwaukee. Might have been in the yeah, vintage car, yep. yep. So it, it had been a while, but for sure. Yeah, that was that was neat to see, and I guess that that's just kind of a transition to, you know, it was, it was a tough off-season so far uh, since we threw the final checkered flag. You know, Jerry... Uh, man, I, I don't know what you what more you could say about a guy and his enthusiasm for the circle of fame, which has really become one of my favorite things each and every night. And I know, you know, maybe people show up and we should be racing, but I might still be there talking to, you know, Tom Refner or Rich Bickle or, or something like that. And I, I really feel like it's important that, you know, if you're a fan of WIR, that, that you make it out there. You know, obviously we'll try to start at 6.30. It happens, but, you know, shame on me. Sometimes I get a little caught up in the moment of interviewing these guys, but there's so many great stories that come in the circle of fame, and Jerry Schneider knew them all. He knew them all, 
and he would be able to tell them to me in advance so I would have time to prepare some questions and he was so passionate and really this quarter or this this circle of fame would not have happened without him because there's cost incurred and Jerry was the guy that went out and got it done yeah and it meant so much to Jerry he's so passionate about it and about our sport um you know I remember the three or four years ago at the off-season meetings when he was just trying to get this thing off the ground I mean there was no plan and no know how to even start with it but he knew it was important and needed to happen and uh certainly obviously this year he'll be one of the ones we'll put in uh first and foremost is Jerry not only for his uh his racing career but also his uh contributions to the circle of fame that continues to grow every year and it's a pretty important part of our uh our racing history and racing club it's it's a really cool thing that he put together and um this year you know the first year we started out i think it was the people who had passed away and then the second year that kind of went into previous champions Mm -hmm. different divisions and now this year we kind of got opened up where it was really nominees from fans and members of the club um and if if you ever have a chance, you don't even need to do this on a race night, but during the off-season, just drive over to the track if you're close by, and right by the main entrance, there is a beautiful display that Jerry designed with construction company, and they have all the plaques with the names on them, what their contributions were, whether it's championships or merit to the sport through um, different positions they held within the club, and all the names and all the things are up there, and you know, at times when we're looking for nominees for the Circle of Fame, people throw names out there. Well, is so-and-so in there? Is so-and-so in there yet? And the easiest way to know is just to go look. Go look you know? yep. <laughs> and nobody's going to hand it to you. But um, great history. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately we lost Jerry this off season, But uh, I'll, I'll never forget when I first started going to the races, when I was 6, 8, 10 years old, I'd be a fan down in the pits running around getting autographs. And Jerry to this day still sticks in my mind as one that would always pull up his lawn chair and always sit there and sign for the kids the last autograph you he had that uncanny voice that you, mm-hmm. that you just you heard the voice you knew it was jerry and that sticks in my mind that 28 sitco car i mean he's he's been there forever and such a great guy yeah and i'm, I'm definitely gonna miss my chats with jerry and uh just it, it's hard to match the passion that he had you know uh, we have a lot of very passionate people about this sport but it just oozed out of him. he loved wir he loved short track racing and there was never any question about it never any question about it so that's that's definitely something that's that's rare you know good day or bad day you knew jerry schneider was one of those guys who's just happy to be there, happy and, to be a part And uh, at his funeral visitation, Deb had his racing suit, and his phone was right there with him. And I'm like, that's interesting. Jerry's got his phone with him. And Deb said, his phone never leaves him. He wants to be able to stay in contact with all you guys. He wants the key in the know. He wants to be able to text and see what's going on with all different tracks. That's who Jerry was. He, he wanted to uh, stay in constant contact, keep those relationships, and keep that going. So Deb made sure that his phone right went right with him. That's that's good. Maybe we ought to give her a ring. But, uh, you know, uh, for, for fans who might be a little concerned, I know, uh, first off, I was obviously very sad to hear Jerry's passing, but then naturally you start thinking, well, oh, my goodness, you know, he was the man behind the WR Circle of Fame, you know, what happens now. And um, he put it in some very good hands. Marty Nussbaum's going to be taking care of it. You want to talk about another guy who's got a lot of passion for WIR? 
I'd put Marty right up there with Jerry. So the WIR Circle of Fame is in very good hands. Um, and I would urge you as well, if if you're a fan of this, if you're liking it, if if you want some, you want to make a contribution, you should. Uh, just get in contact with Marty. You know, you could sponsor a plaque or, or do whatever you have to do. It's it's not a huge amount of money, but um, you know, if you're out there and you want to make sure that this thing keeps going, um, feel feel free to reach out and, and be a part of it. And like Matt mentioned earlier, we uh, with the Circle of Fame, it's uh, right before the national anthem um, on Thursday nights. Who's being inducted? So try to get there early. Try to be there to support. Uh, who's going in, hear the stories, and what history they have to the club because there's a lot of people that uh, aren't uh, maybe the the well-known Fox Valley household racing name but have definitely uh, contributed to the sport to make it what it is today. Yeah, and, you know, I it stinks that this list isn't just one person. It would be best if it was zero people, but uh, an, another name that we would call each and every Thursday night that is unfortunately not going to be with us anymore and man this this one this one stings a bit more to me than than a lot because every week Teddy Bear Ullman is Wisconsin Sport Trucks that guy has been there for so long such a big contributor to that Wisconsin Sport Truck class he was there when it was the mini champs you know and unfortunately he was he was another one that we lost this year as well for sure and uh so many different generations of racers that have come through that sport truck division have memories and stories of teddy bear myself included he was obviously racing when i started in the trucks in 99 and is still racing to this day um still went up to the traveling races like at norway and you know he was doing it and he was still still having a lot of fun doing it as well um so we're gonna miss teddy bear and uh he uh he definitely left his legacy behind. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, Andy, he wasn't just a WIR sport truck guy. He he went everywhere those sport trucks went. And if you were a sport truck driver, you knew that you could be in good hands around Teddy Bear Elman. You know, Pete Zarnoff, another guy that had been around the block quite a bit too. And um, it, it's tough. It's tough when it's, it's one of those guys that was like, a founding father of the class really when you think about it for sure yeah i don't know the exact numbers but i'm gonna guess it's close to 35 or 40 years racing between the mini champs and the sport trucks for teddy bear and uh hopefully somebody can uh carry that the legacy of the number 70 out on the track because um, it's it's been there ever since any of us have been there right yeah so Oh, just a just a sad off. You know, it's uh, you can talk about all the crazy things that go on in the world, and you know things that uh, had not really shaken us to this point. But unfortunately, it was just kind of a matter of time. And no, no matter what, it, it always hurts just to to lose your friends and lose people that that love the same things that you do. And obviously, we're gonna miss those people for sure. So. Uh, uh, another thing, Andy, I know that you wanted to touch on a little bit, and I know there's been some concern out there. And fortunately, a lot of the information I've been getting second hand on this is, uh, you know, Mike Meyerhofer uh, Jr., the showstopper, uh, suffered an accident this year um, while at, at work. And uh, it, it sounds, you know, thankfully Mike is okay-ish, but uh, you know, obviously had kind of a, a life-altering injury at, at work this year. 
Yeah, and this was just a few weeks ago. Um, unfortunately, Mike had an accident at work, and uh, it involved his dominant hand, his right hand, and uh, sustained a pretty pretty gruesome injury that ended up in the hospital for a few days. So uh, Mike's at home now. I talked to him earlier this week. Uh, seemed like he's in pretty good spirits, just trying to learn how to do everything with your non-dominant hand now, writing, you know, taking care of kids, helping with different things. Um, he uh, he's he's a fighter, you know. <laughs> you know, showstopper, just from uh, <coughs> excuse me, his determination uh, behind the wheel. So he's gonna he's gonna persevere through this like anything else, and uh, we wish him the best. Um, there's a few things floating around on social media. If you want to search for it, there's a meal train set up for Mike, uh, where you can donate a meal or offer to cook a meal, drop it off at the house, and pick a date. Um, Tara Springstro was also working on. Uh, some things through PayPal and Venmo uh, for setting up some funding to uh, to help him and his family. And uh, one of the things Mike's honestly uh, pretty bummed about is his son Phil is going to start racing this year mm. in the four-cylinder class. And Mike told me that uh, he wanted to be there, obviously, to help Phil along, and that's going to be a little more challenging. Uh, obviously, he'll still be doing what he can, but uh, he does have a long recovery ahead of him. And... Uh, so I want to keep them in the thoughts, and you know, if you're uh, if you got a few minutes, just shoot them a message. You know, all that stuff means a lot. When when these things happen, obviously people get flooded right away with texts, calls. What can I do? Um, and then that tapers off like anything else. Let's let's not let it taper off for Mike. You know, uh, make sure you check in with them and touch base and let them know you're thinking about them. See what you can do to help out. And I even joked with them once he uh, gets a little further along, I'll uh, get over there and help him set up iRacing racing at home and. Right away, he asked me if uh, they have automatic transmissions on there. So (laughs) (laughs) he's in good spirits about it, and uh, I'm sure we'll see him at the track soon enough, hopefully. Yeah, and uh, you know to that point, and and we don't want to get too far ahead of things, and obviously Mike's got a big road to recovery, and it's a lot. It's not just racing. It's everything in life, but there have been some drivers that can can do this. You know, I think about Elisle Nowak, who – unfortunately you know lost a hand when he was way way back in his younger days in a farming accident and he went on to have a very very successful uh racing career same number by the way uh number 32 former mid-american champion won a ton of championships uh you know at um at tomahawk so uh i i feel i guess to my to my point there mike shouldn't be one of those guys if there's a will there's a way he'll find his way back into a race car i would imagine (laughs) I think so, too. Obviously, it's pretty early right now um, to know, and the focus is uh, getting reacclimated with everything going on. Um, but, yeah, 2022, probably not likely. But right. 2023, with the way we know Showstopper, yeah, I, I don't think that would surprise anybody. Probably back and better than ever. <laughs> um, another thing we should mention, too, is uh, uh, someone who got inducted into the WIR Circle of Fame, Clyde Schumacher. Uh, was another that was lost, and obviously, uh, you know, Clyde was was up there in age. So, um, you know, it had been a while since we really had Clyde as part of the program, but a, a very important guy when it comes to WIR. You know, working with Joe Van Dalwick to to make this thing what it now eventually has become. For sure, yeah, definitely. That's a, a really popular name from years past, and um, back in the Coop days, I think that's. Clyde Schumacher running at like Apple Creek and Shy Octon and all those different tracks. Uh, a lot of history there and a lot of 
um, things getting, I think it was called the Apple Valley Racing Club, you know, into what we have now today with the Fox River Racing Club. So a lot of tradition, a lot of history there. Hey, we got uh, racing on TV. We do. We do have some racing. It Who's going to win this? Who's your pick? Uh, let's see. What it's do we got? It's a dash. It looks like it's from this year, maybe. Uh, no, that's a different car for Calmus. Yeah. But Calmus didn't race last year. So do you think this is 2019? Uh, yeah, most likely. Jesse Cal- O's got different paint scheme. Right. And Maxwell's it- fast time, so I'm confused. No new body on Stump either. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, we... Uh, <laughs> We doing talked. A, doing a podcast, watching a dash oh, from yeah, 2019. We'll, we'll call the action for you. I'll so, take Jesse O. Yeah, it looks like he's got him here. He's got him now. So we talked about you know everything that all things 2021. Of course, you had to get food, Dan. I'm look, That's actually looking pretty. Didn't hear from good. Dan in the last five minutes. He was. I was just listening face. to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to episode 45, and you guys were giving me crap about uh, eating food there too. So I guess oh, it's just a running theme. Keep the tradition alive. Yep. <laughs> so running we, theme. We we've talked all things 2021. And if you're listening right now, you're all right, cool. I know a lot of that. What the heck's going on for 2022, right? So um, Tundra's coming to town again, May 14th. That'll be the first action, I guess, of the year at WIR. And as far as the club opener, I would imagine it's going to be the following Thursday again. Spot on. Got your pit party uh, the 12th, like we've had in years past, that uh, Thursday night the 12th, the party where they encourage everybody to come down and hang out and see the cars and then the tundra race on the 14th and we're off and go on the 19th yep so who's moving who's shaking who's new i feel like i'm so out of the loop i i have not heard all of the new and hot rumors this year. silly season are there are yeah. there hot rumors this year mm. trevor <laughs> howard has his card done already we knew that yeah we heard that uh, one it's about all i know we don't know who's that in the 47 not confirmed. <laughs> Not confirmed. Unconfirmed <laughs> of who's in the 47. I, mean, I would like to think that Brazen would be back. He did phenomenal in his freshman year there. I'd like to see him followed up with an even better sophomore season, but you never know. I believe Nick Van plans on being full-time. Yep. He finished the year he had strong, a pretty good super season late. This he was year. second yeah. last night. Yeah, I thought he had a really good so season. That'll be a new year. face in a new place. Dan's thinking of something while he's eating these Smokies. Uh, they're not. They're not little Smokies. It's kind of depressing. They're just cut up hot dogs. Oh. Same idea, yeah. yeah. Yeah, same idea. But it seems like the movement is more in the quarter mile side than the half mile side. I think yeah. the half mile is going to be pretty, pretty much similar to what you've seen in years past. Oh, I can uh, confirm I, I, that was 2019, by the way. Okay, that we were watching, and I did. I did see um, Grant Grease. Dan didn't get 2020 or 2021 to him yet. 2020 he has. <laughs> 2021 is coming because China couldn't ship me DVDs or flash drives in order to complete them. I just got them in. I'm sure they were sitting on a boat for eight months. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Grant Greasebach, yes. Yes, I did see his schedule. Aggressive schedule this year. He's going to be racing a lot. And he uh, he bought our red, white, and blue championship car from last season for the Fox Hill Racing Club. Casey Johnson with Apex Motorsports. Uh, Grant Griesbach and his dad purchased that car. Uh, so I think they got they got a couple cars in the mix. He's going to run the eight races Slinger has for Super Lates. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to do some spotting for him, whether that's good or bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
gonna add that to my uh, list of things to do with them guys and then uh, it sounds like uh, they're gonna bring back the car they ran on Thursdays on you know run around here I'll try to chase down that championship so close last year and then uh, the alive for five stuff I believe is on there too yeah busy busy year for him and uh, I would imagine you know when we take a look at guys and talk about championship contenders he's got to be in the mix Maxwell's got to be in the mix JVO was back in the conversation last year after having a couple of down seasons. I know they're all fired up and ready to go. You put yourself into that conversation. Uh, this is going to shake out to be another solid season in the super late models as far as who could potentially be part of the conversation. And then you always got that one guy that's a dark horse too. I, Alex Stumpf, if you're listening, I'm looking at you, my friend, <laughs> because I, I feel like you're really strong, like, the first week he usually wins like one of the first two weeks and one of the last two weeks and he'll explain this to you too this isn't any secret he says just something happens from like week three to like the third and the last week can't really put the <laughs> finger on it so if he can get out of the box strong like he always does finish strong like he always does if he can find that middle ground i mean why not Alex Stump, right? He's definitely been a lot more consistent in the last few years. I think he was sixth overall in points last year, um, picking up a couple feature wins. I'm and, sorry, uh, I don't have the stats pulled it's up. It's funny you mentioned Griesbach before, too, because if you ask Grant, he one of the things that stuck with him last year is when we had conversations like this on a podcast or people posted on Facebook about contenders for this year, he was left out of the conversation. And it was like bulletin board material for him for the whole year. So whoever we don't talk about right yeah, now, right? you know, Sawyer Efforts, Brent Stroka, they're just going to come out of the mix and come firing. And those guys are competitive. You know, I was going to say, I was actually going to say, we do have Sawyer Efforts as uh, one of our guests here as well. So maybe you throw him into the mix too. But you just, you hit the nail on the head exactly, Andy. Like, you just don't know. I mean, someone just comes out of left field and that's what, that's what makes racing so much fun, you know. Same thing in the Tundra Series this year, really, when we take a look back at it. I didn't have Riley Senju as a championship contender. I knew he was going to be strong, but to actually come through and win the championship over Casey Johnson, uh, just not something I completely and fully expected. You know, something like that could happen here, too. You know, and it was an interesting year in the Tundra Series where it was like a changing of the guard. When Riley won that race at Marshfield, like, it just seemed to ignite the rest of the year. And then going into this year, it almost seems like the 38 of Devoy is, like, the guy to beat. So it just seemed like the way that the Tundra series kind of wrapped up the season, the guys, the Dalton Zeers and Casey Johnsons, who are just historically dominated that, like, Riley Stenstrom and Devoy and Jake Zellner are like, well, what about us? Don't forget about us. Yeah. You know, they're right there, and they're really quick. That's what really makes the series fun is just uh, that transition of power, if you will. And, you know, there's a lot of good young racers that have been coming through, and we're going to have a couple more this year. I noticed uh, a kid that you might want to watch out for. His name's Colton Goralski. He's been racing at Jefferson the last couple of years. He's going to be running full-time with us this year as well. You'll see him at WIR on May 14th. Um, going to be rather interesting to see how he does this year, I think. So he could... Another one of those guys in a couple of years that becomes a household name. That track has been producing some great talent. Another one that we haven't ever talked on the podcast is Jacob Nottestead. Right. And when he gets in a super late, I mean, he he won at lacrosse, the Futures race, and the DeAngelis car. 
you know, he won. He ran really good um, when he's competed in a limited schedule in a super late. So won our race, yeah. won our Tundra race at Jefferson last year. That might year be another guy that just late model, pops yeah. on the scene. They're yeah. like having a year like Luke Fenhouse last year and just coming out of left field a little bit of you knew the guy was strong and competitive, but holy yeah. cow. Yeah, and you, just, you don't know. You don't know who that guy's going to be this year. Oh, look, the slow heat's out, and I know that because Andy's in it. No, yep. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who's going to win this one? I don't know. You're on the outside of the second row. How about Taylor Vandermoss? He's in this race, too. He could be a guy. Maybe there's your dark horse this year. Yeah, there's a guy that could be a part of the <laughs> conversation, too. And then in the late models, you know, like you said, your brother could be a part of it. Um Always hard to tell with the late models because you just you, you don't know who's going to be able to make it through the entire year. I would see like if a Travis Rodewald comes back. Travis had some strange had a strange year last year because he's former champion, usually very consistent and just kind of had issues qualifying. Really, last year was the big thing for Travis. But you know if he could put it back all together, he he's got to be a guy that could. Yeah, and his again. name was actually getting thrown around to potentially running with the quarter mile late model group. So oh, okay. that would be really competitive car um, if that were the case. Uh, another guy to think about who's been consistent the last few years is Brian Henry. You know, if yeah. he doesn't have a couple bad nights, he's right in the mix just how consistent he's been as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for Brian Henry to have a big breakout year. Brian's a great guy, by the way. A lot of fun to hang Absolutely. out with. Absolutely. Going to throw that out there. All right. So Dan just pointed out we are at 53 minutes. This would be the last chance. For anybody to toss out a hot rumor of somebody moving and shaking in any divisions this year. You're, you're not getting it out of me, man. You're not <laughs> getting it out of me. I, I know WIR quarter mile late models are going to be fun to watch, too, because they've got a lot of different people coming in and coming out and doing extra racing and things like that, too. So I guess we'll just have to wait until we get a little closer to the season because we are only at Valentine's Day, depending on when Dan posts this podcast. <laughs> I uh, mean, I was, again listening to old podcasts leading up to this today and we talked about why edit it it flows better it sounds better when we don't edit it so you just throw I it i think up that's there. just a sham on the guy editing uh -huh. that when he doesn't <laughs> touch it it's better you know, it's so much simpler if i just it's don't it's kind of like when you set up the car in the shop and then you have the guys who adjust on it at the track they would have just left it alone at the shop is that what we're talking about here might be okay, might be it's like when you uh, have to do the dishes and you're like, ah, just let it soak in the sink for a little bit. It'll be fine. <laughs> be totally okay. Right? Um, so let's do this. Let's take a short break here. Let's get our guests primed and ready to go. And I don't know, maybe we split this into three podcasts. Well, at least this first part will be its own part where we just talk okay. about a recap and everything that's leading up to this year. Then we'll see how many interviews we get in. We so, get like three hours of interviews. It's going to be like seven podcasts. So in, in, in case we <laughs> do split this into a bunch of podcasts, <laughs> just remember we are at the X, downtown Kakana, Craig Krieger's establishment, fantastic place to come hang out, talk racing, look at the walls, see some racing on TV. And uh, don't forget, Tundra Race May 14th, the uh, Fox River Racing Club opener May 19th. And we'll see you in the next podcast. I mean, I'm counting like a dozen racers here right now. Yeah, so it's, this is going to be a while. It's a fun night. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for joining us for part one. We'll catch you the next time on the Rumble Over the Thunder.